0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Adventures in .net. I'm Sean Clobo, and with me today is your co-host Wailu. Hello, hey, John. and happy birthday, Caleb! Since you're not here, you're out having fun. So Mm. Caleb's not going to make it today.
1: He's all dressed up today. (laughs) He's got to get dressed
0: up. (laughs) Well, at least he can go out. You know, he's got vaccinated and all that kind of stuff. So hopefully, uh, everything's good down in New Orleans.
1: I wonder if he has to like dress up and then also have to wear a suit do you know i'm oh, sorry or a mask I, or do
0: you i don't know i met his wife <laughs> really to say you know is he gonna make you know how how fancy is a dress up gonna be tonight so it depends, well, it on, where depends going. on
1: the conditions in new orleans maybe he has to anyway
0: so yeah, yeah they, they got weird traditions in new orleans so <laughs> <laughs> strange yeah. town, right right caleb oh yeah you can't tell me huh? mm so why today on this show i think we're going to go back to school i heard we're talking huh? about notebook notebooks yeah you know i remember those in college or maybe that yeah. maybe it's not that kind of notebook I think I they would be notebooks. a little different today <laughs> notebook computers no not notebook computers why don't we welcome our guest eric potter welcome eric thanks
2: guys great to be on the show i uh, look forward to talking to you guys good i remember
3: working my tail off to become a senior developer I read every book I could get my hands on. I went to any conference I could and watched the videos about the things that I thought I needed to learn. And eventually I got that senior developer job. And then I realized that the rest of my career looked just like where I was now. I mean, where was the rush I got from learning? What was I supposed to do to keep growing? And then I found it. I got the chance to mentor some developers. I started a podcast and helped many more developers. I did screencasts and helped even more developers. I kind of became a dev hero. And now I want to help you become one too. And if you're looking forward to something more than doing the same thing at a different job three years from now, then join the Dev Heroes Accelerator. I'll walk you through the process of building and growing a following and finding people that you can uniquely help as you build the next stage of your career. You can learn more at devheroesaccelerator.com.
0: What kind of notebooks are we talking about today?
2: Let's start with a little background because this is one of those concepts that became big in another part of the developer world and is starting to make its way into the .NET world. But there was this idea that really started in the Python space with a tool called Jupyter Notebooks. And the idea is that you can have an interesting mix of code and text So you can have a document, this this Jupyter Notebook document, where you can alternate back and forth between having text in Markdown and your Python code. And the code is actually organized into these little cells and each cell is defined independently, right? So you could just have like eight lines of code and you could run those eight lines of code independently. And in the Python space, this kind of became big in the data community because you might have a few lines of code where you pull in a bunch of data from a CSV and then you take that data and run it through a charting library, or maybe you just wanna blow it out and filter it in a table, or you know maybe you want to do some aggregations on it. But as you're doing it, you can be documenting what you're doing. And then that documentation either then lives for you or lives on for someone else to take over this notebook in the future. But either way, we now have a way to have a much more interactive experience than a historical Python programming experience where you, know, you would write the Python file and then just execute it. So this concept is making its way into the .NET space with these .NET notebooks. And so there's a couple of terms here. There is the Visual Studio Code notebooks, which that is what allows you to have these notebooks in Visual Studio Code. And then there, there are a couple of different variations on that. So there, You can have uh, the C-sharp, F-sharp, and JavaScript notebooks. Uh, There's actually another kind of notebook for SQL. And so you can have these different interactive environments right in Visual Studio Code. It used to be, I think in Python, you kind of had to have a larger tool called Anaconda installed to be able to create Python notebooks or Jupyter notebooks. And there had been an earlier version where you could run C-sharp in an anaconda notebook but now they've got it so you can do it all in visual studio code with the visual studio code extension for dotnet notebooks so, so it would is actually, this, go ahead why so it actually runs
1: the code is it um so you've it's kind of a way to i guess start notepadding start documenting something but by putting code that actually runs
2: yeah so let's say that you are exploring or documenting something in a new nuget package so maybe something like system.txt.json. And you want to see how that serializes your objects. First of all, there is a a special syntax for pulling NuGet packages in. So, you know, with one line of code in your notebook, you can pull down a NuGet package and start working with it. And so then you could define your object and then you could serialize and deserialize it right in the notebook. And you could see the string output that you're getting when you serialize it and if you want to play around with the different serialization options right you just have a block of code that's like setting those options differently you can run it like okay i want to see what happens when i serialize it with this option on okay now i want to see what i'm going to change the option i want to see how it serializes with this set of options and so it's very interactive in terms of you know having chunks of code that, that you can run most developers that i know especially c sharp developers have some folder somewhere on their hard drive that has like Console application one, console application two, console application seventy five. <laughs> you know, right? Because yep. there's always those things where it's like, oh, I just I need to be able to drop in some C sharp code and see what this does. Well, the nice thing about these notebooks, it's like, oh, I could just drop in here and and see what happens. Um, in Visual Code, uh, Visual Studio Code obviously opens really fast, so it's a really nice way to quickly get in there. Mm. But then the nice thing about it is that these notebook files have an extension of IPYNB, which is a Python holder. So a Python holdover from interactive Python notebook. So I, P Y N B. And that's still the extension, even if you're using C sharp.
1: So like any language, it would still be the same extension. As
2: as far as I know, and Mm. C sharp is the one that I've done the most with. I mean, I'm that's just the language I work in the most. I've seen really interesting demos with F sharp. I know it supports JavaScript as well. And those are all the same extension. But I could, you know, take that IPYNB file, which is just a JSON file, and you know, check it in, or I could email it to my teammates. And so maybe I want to document like, hey, here's how we're going to use the serialization technique on our project. And instead of just like writing up an email and sending it to them, like, hey, here's this, here's this interactive bit. You try it, see if you know if See if you Mm. agree with my decision.
1: Yeah. So, can you pull in like different libraries and things like that, or is it just like is the context just whatever you're coding at the time local variables?
2: No. So you can reference assemblies that are on your machine. So if you have a you know class library that you're using in whatever project you're on, you can reference that right from your hard drive. Or, like I said, if there is a NuGet package, you can pull that down too. Oh, okay.
0: Yeah. Cool. So is it like a like a wiki with executable stuff in it?
2: That's a really interesting way to think about it because, like a lot of wikis, it does support Markdown, right? So I could I could have tables, I could I could actually have images if I want, you know, because Markdown has syntax to pull in images. So yeah, that's a really interesting way to think about it because it is kind of like that. It's like yeah, it's it's a wiki that, but you can actually execute the code right there.
1: That's I did cool. notice that, like Stack Overflow, like I think has something similar to that in, w- in which when you paste some code in, um, you've actually got the option to run it. Like it, if it's a certain language, then it actually shows you the output as well. Like if you if you quote a block of tech, block of code, so yeah, I can see it myself using it as well because, like for me, like you know, you're going on about you know developers using the console app one two three. And I'm really big on. Documenting literally everything I do. Like um, when I program, maybe like twenty five percent of my time is just going back and every by like, error message or or whatever, or even if I solve a problem a certain way, I'll just I'll just whip up a note and just document it. You know, just, just because I I've got a I've got a bad memory. <laughs> <laughs> like um and you know, like there's so many times I've gone oh I fixed this problem before and it's like oh but where do I look kind of thing. So so yeah, I can I can really see myself using this and and then just kind of putting in code that will just run for me, you know, instead of just putting in a block of code um, that may or not, may not run. So, yeah.
0: So how do you so get it, started? You know, what's it what's it take to get started and what's a good place to start at for somebody that hasn't done a notebook before?
2: All right, so in Visual Studio Code, if you go to the extension library, then there is an extension you can search for called .NET Interactive Notebooks. And it is still listed as a preview but it's really working pretty well. I've had it installed for a couple months now. But if you install the preview then you can start creating these notebooks. There's actually some new commands that they have in the Visual Studio Code command bar. Looking at the documentation here, you do obviously have to have Visual Studio Code installed and you have to have uh, .net 5 installed. I guess I was it's at this point. It's kind of a safe assumption that all developers have Visual Studio Code installed. That's <laughs> becoming very ubiquitous. Uh, you do need the .NET five SDK installed as well, apparently. So, what
1: about if you you said you could just um, f- copy these NuGet files to other developers? Like, if you have got NuGet packages, do the NuGet packages kind of come, or at least the references come with the file, or do, is it just an assumption that they would have it installed?
2: So, there is actually a special syntax for pulling down NuGet packages. So again, sticking with the example of System.Text.Json, if I have near the top of my notebook file, pound R, quote, NuGet colon system.txt.json, quote, right? So that line of code, when I execute that line in the notebook, then it will install that NuGet package. No. And so what I could do, you know, in the case you're talking about where I, if I email you my notebook, you would have to execute that block. But then once you had done that, then you would have the NuGet packages downloaded and installed. Now, obviously, oh, you can use that pound R syntax to reference assemblies that are on your hard drive. And so, mm. like, if, if I was just like referencing something that with a path is like C colon users e potter, right? Then that wouldn't be on your machine. But, you know, if I was actually using the NuGet reference, then then you could download it yourself. So, what do you, what what use cases do you see for
1: um for this? Like, I mean, I think identified that for me, it'd be mainly for documenting my own stuff.
2: But do you see any other use cases that might be useful? So, yeah, documentation I think is a big one. I think the one that Python the Python community has really embraced is this idea of data exploration, hmm. and I you know, and I'll include code exploration in that too. But a lot of times we're working with a large data set. and you know we could query it in you know, SQL Server Management Studio, but I don't know, maybe, maybe it comes from a CSV or you know, some other data source. And what we want is the ability to look at some data, do some kind of aggregation on it beyond what we could just do in SQL, maybe generate some charts or generate hmm. you know, some other kind of visualization and i could do that really quickly. One of the, the things that Microsoft kind of touts with their notebook extension is that it's got good support for a library called xplot.plotly. So what you could do is you could have some data source that you're going to pull in and then render a visual using xplot and all that right in the notebook. Now the nice thing is that because it's interactive, you know, you could be maybe tweaking your filters and then tweaking your visualization or tweaking your data source and you can kind of iterate you have this really fast feedback loop of you know being able to really tweak the the experience that you want you and tweak the visual you want really easily so yeah there's that whole exploration so i would say that's probably the second big use case the third one and maybe this is a little more specific to me is actually with teaching so I spend a non-trivial amount of time mentoring developers at my employer. I work for a company called Aptera Software and we're really big on uh, teaching and training and empowering our younger developers. And so I could see myself documenting some like fundamental concepts and and handing this over to them. Um, I also sometimes teach as an adjunct at a local university and having the ability to have this interactive teaching tool i think is really powerful one of the challenges that i've always had in the past no, no matter where i'm teaching is that which mechanism do i want to use to teach about code so i could just have c sharp code with comments that explain the concept as as we're trying uh, to go through but that has some limitations there's there's no graphics um, i can't like have a an image that's that shows up in comments in a C-sharp file. You know, a lot of teaching historically has done with PowerPoint, which in PowerPoint you have the opposite problem where you can have all these really interesting visualizations, but then the code is maybe just a screenshot. And so it's not interactive at all. I think having notebooks becomes this really powerful teaching tool where I could say, okay, here's the concept. Maybe I've got some graphic that represents what conceptually is trying to happen but then I can have the code and they can run it from themselves and they can change it and they can explore and see what the code does. I think the other thing that could be really interesting is that you could almost have like interactive problems as you go. So you're explaining a concept and you're like, okay, now you write the 10 lines of code that generate this output. And so you could learn in a much more interactive way without you know, having to subject yourself to the limitations of only code or only PowerPoint or whatever. Yeah, that's really cool. So can
1: you embed it into a, like a web page, you think? That's what I'm thinking. Like the, the professor puts a, an assignment up and yeah, you literally just, you know, has the description in Markdown and charts and all that stuff. And then they just fill in the, 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 the code bit.
2: So I th- think from the things that I've read, and I don't have any special knowledge here, but I think that is something they would like to get to. But you do have a challenge there in that if it's running on a web page somewhere, you have to run the C-sharp compiler. Oh, yeah. So, so you'd have to back in. Or maybe you could use um, assembly,
1: um, WebAssembly or something.
2: Yeah, Blazor, a, Maybe. <laughs> there's a really interesting potential there that, like, could you run Roslyn in, in Blazor? I, I don't know if that's a thing that you could do or not. Maybe it is. I know that one of the things I think they were doing with the, the try.net website, I think maybe with that they were actually shipping the code back to some server for it to be compiled and they would send the assembly Mm -hmm. forward.
0: They switched that over to Blazor. So yeah.
2: Okay. So maybe, and maybe that's the thing is that these notebooks will eventually be able to run right in Blazor. The best solution I've seen right now is that there is a website, again, from the Python community called Binder. And you can post notebooks on Binder and Binder does support the .NET runtime. So you can run your C-sharp notebooks on Binder if that's how you want to share
3: them. Hey, folks, if you love this podcast and would like to support the show, or if you wish you could listen without the sponsorship messages, then you're in luck. We're setting up new premium podcast feeds where you can get all of the episodes released after Christmas 2020 without the ads. Signing up will help us pay for editing and production, and you can go sign up at devchat.tv slash
1: premium. Well, you said it also supports JS as well, Yeah, yeah. JavaScript. good. So, yeah, maybe that part of it you could, but... Yeah. But you said it's also just in preview so maybe it's so yeah, it is just a feature that they haven't got to yet. Yeah.
2: Is it a, is this a Microsoft created thing or Yeah. Um the extension I was going to double check. Yeah, the author on the extension is Microsoft.
0: All right. Cool. So is it is it limited to like console type applications? You talked about xplot but that's not really like a GUI type of thing, so where you can build forms or do some sort of interactivity?
2: So one of the things they have built in is a display method. So if I have an object, I can display that object and it will render all of the properties and their values in a table. So there is a little bit more that's graphical than just, you know, standard console output. I don't, I. it's just not something I've run into. I know that there's different HTML output options you can do. I, I can't speak authoritatively to those. And I did just see on Twitter very recently, someone from the community added a plugin that could render Razor, And so mm. then you could have a notebook that could render all kinds of different you know, web outputs with you know, anything you could do with Razor, you could do it in the notebook. Again, mm. that's on my list of things to investigate. I haven't looked at, at what they've done yet. And I don't know how stable that package is, but I am very excited about it.
1: So, it displays the output of the code you run. So, that I'm guessing that then it assumes that the code that you run has to have a determinant output. Like, you couldn't just put like a mass.random path in there because it would just be a line in there that
2: would just give you a completely different output every time you run it. What would happen then? I mean, you could certainly have random outputs, right? As if you had a random number generator and you wanted to run the code. Block, which they call these blocks, cells, right? So you can just execute the cell over and over again, yeah. Like any but programming d- thing, you wouldn't want your cell to get stuck in some kind of infinite loop. But yeah, you know, assuming <laughs> assuming that your cell does run to completion in you know a sane amount of time, then yeah, it would display the output. So 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 does it run at every time you open the, the file, or does it run at once and then store the output? So each cell can be executed individually. So there's actually a, a little graphical play button. So let's say I've got three lines of code in one cell and I hit the play button to execute it or there's a keyboard shortcut for it too. But I could then have my markdown that explained what just happened. Like I could have another cell and can execute that one. Now, all of these cells execute in the same scope. So maybe I want to define a class in one cell and then you know have some explanation and then instantiate an object of that class in a, in a cell that's down lower, then you could totally do that. Like I said, I was teaching a local university and I was trying to explain the concept of inheritance and overriding, right? And so we had this notebook where there was a mm-hmm. class at the top that had some virtual methods and then there were cells down below that had various iterations or you know various versions of how you override methods and what that looks like down below. So yeah, uh, I think there is also an option to just like execute everything in the file if, if you just want to jump right to mm. the end. Yeah, I can see myself using it
1: quite a lot for presentations and things like that. Like um, I run a local meetup as well. So yeah, it'd be, it'd be a really good way to illustrate code that you're trying to run just by running it one bit at a time and then putting some nice markdown, you know, describe
2: what you're doing. Yeah, I imagine that going forward that when I'm you know, in a, in a user group scenario or just explaining something to my teammates, any when in the past I would have thought, like, oh, I'll, I'll just drop this code into PowerPoint. Like, I think probably going forward, I'm just going to use these notebooks.
0: Yeah. So I've typically used, like, LinkPad for making my little one-off, mm. you know, test applications and things like that. This sounds like a better way to, to, to be more organized with multiple, you know, test apps and things like that, you know, with documentation.
2: So that's a really interesting comparison, right? Because LinkPad is a wonderful tool, and I don't want to say anything bad about it, but it, it has a little bit of a different goal because you can't have Markdown, right? So it's a great LinkPad is a great way to say, "Here's these thirty lines of code or these fifteen lines of code," and I just want to execute that. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, but can, I, can I hit the database? The the Notepad stuff. LinkPad. No, yeah. um, Notebook. Uh, Notebook. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because again, you could pull in. A Nuget, um, package, you know? a NuGet package, right? So you know, there's no reason why you couldn't use Entity Framework or mm. you know, one of the micro ORMs or whatever you want to do. But yeah, getting back to LinkPad, I love LinkPad, but it's more that's more of like a like I just want to try it as a small snippet of code. If I want to try it out and document it, then I would lean towards notebooks. Yeah. I mean the the other tool in this space that I think is one of the best kept secrets in the .NET space is C-sharp interactive. I don't know, you guys ever played around with the C-sharp interactive environments? No. What's Um, that? That The live share? No. So (laughs) live share is also delightful. Uh, (laughs) That's a whole nother thing. (laughs) Right? So if you have Visual Studio 2019 installed, if you open the developer command prompt and type CSI, you will be dropped into an interactive C-sharp environment. Right? An environment that is, you know, what are often called a REPL, a read eval print loop, right? So you have the ability just at the command line to start dinking around with different C-sharp code snippets, you know, which can be really useful. Mm. I don't know, the two things that I end up using it for are more sophisticated ver- variations of what you can do with string.format, right? Because there's always that thing like, oh, I know there's a way I can format this date and I can't remember the exact syntax. Mm. If you, if you want to specify how many decimal places you want after a number in string.format. Like, I can never remember the exact syntax, and I could Google it, or I could just open C Sharp Interactive and and try it right there. And then there's also a C Sharp Interactive window in Visual Studio. So if you already have Visual Studio open, you can uh, drop in and check out, you know, just small snippets of C Sharp code. So again, that's not exactly what I was here to talk about, but if you're... No, that's cold. You yeah, know, if you've yeah. never played around with C Sharp Interactive, which, like I said, the command line is a CSI. If you have Visual Studio installed, you already have it invo- installed. So, yeah, absolutely check that out too.
0: That seems like something to be should be more prominent in the in the IDE mm. to, to discover it rather than having to go to the developer comp command prompt and then type CSI and, and then do all this stuff.
2: Well, and you can get to it in Visual Studio too. So, if you go to the Visual Studio Tools window, I apologize for not having it open. Like if I think if you just go to Visual Studio, what's it, like View or Views, yeah, you can find C Sharp Interactive right in there. It's pretty cool. It's hugely underutilized.
0: All right. So, can, um,
2: um,
1: you go.
0: Oh, go ahead. If you got a question. Yep.
1: I was going to say, like, with Visual Studio, I can kind of understand because it is such a big application. There's probably things that I, I've i worked on it for years and I probably haven't discovered that it can do. It's too big.
0: So, what else should we know about notebooks? You know, it, it just sounds like something that maybe a lot... More people should be messing around with and posting things or letting people know about this because I've heard about notebooks, but I didn't really understand it until now. So you you've done a great job at explaining you know, how I can uh, you know start using them.
2: I don't know if there's a whole lot else to say just because there's you know, once you get into it, it, it is a pretty straightforward thing. Like like once it's very obvious where you'd want to have code and where you'd want to have markdown. The UI is really intuitive. I would just encourage people to go out and play around
0: with it. So how do you organize? There's notebooks. So is each file called a page or how do you, how do you organize lots of different things together?
2: I've never really, that's an interesting question because I've never really had to think more hierarchically. Most of the notebooks I've personally created kind of make sense as a standalone thing. Like you, you don't really have a, a project file of notebooks. You just, have the notebook file. That is an interesting idea though. I I would be curious to know if if there's a better how, yeah. story for that of like
0: how would you organize multiple notebooks that are all related?
2: Yeah. Yeah. And the if you look at the the GitHub project that Microsoft provides that has their ex- notebook examples, you know, it's just a it's just a folder with a bunch of these IP and Y N B files in it, but they're not necessarily organized into a project. I Wonder if nice. they ever
1: get to a stage where, like, the, the features of the notebook could be used in a normal, like, CS file. You know, like, just I've always like wondered that. You know, like, instead of just being able to comment things, can putting in Markdown and things like that into your just your normal source
2: code. I'm Not sure if it's a good idea or not, but I'm
1: um, just wondering.
2: And it is an interesting idea, where you could have a CS file with an image in the comments. Yeah, you know, I definitely, I've definitely worked in situations where. The the code was maybe documented as a flowchart in Visio before it was ever implemented, right? And could you just like have a screenshot of that, that Visio diagram? Like, hey, here's here's the decision tree that we're working from. Or I suppose the other thing that'd be interesting, one of my clients does a lot with CAD. And so a lot of times yes. we're writing code that manipulates objects that started somewhere in CAD. Like <laughs> we could have an else case. It's like this else case exists to cover this this diagram or you know this modeling concept. That I'd be I, I'm sure there's good reasons to not bring images into CS files, but it does seem like it would I think be probably sure.
1: like source control might look a bit weird if you have you know source control is designed for for text right. So yeah, if you start putting in images it it make it look a bit wonky, but hard to use, but. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's, it's it's interesting to talk about because you don't know what the consequences are, but it, it, is, it is so, once you open that can of worms, you know you can do so <laughs> much. <to> it, so,
2: <laughs> people putting in videos into your source code. No. <laughs> well, and some so, of the languages have opened that can because they now allow emojis in variable names. Oh gosh, oh, why would you do that? <laughs> I, uh, if memory serves, I think Swift allows you to have emoji named variables. Which I could, in some cases, see would be really powerful and expressive. And in some cases, I think uh, someone used three of the poop emoji as this variable name. Like, how do you, can, can, can you communicate that in your you know dev
1: meeting? That variable here with two poos and two three one. You know, like um, that's not assigned. You know, like um, yeah.
0: That's just like... And then everybody's got to agree with what the name of what that emoji is. So <laughs> yeah, <when> I, you know, <laughs> refer to it. It's got to be you know some some people call it crap the other ones call it poop you know know? (laughs) (laughs) yeah so i I did find it in the id it's under view you have to go to other windows there you go and you have c sharp interactive and there's f sharp interactive as well so it is like OneNote. can you do these types of notebooks in one note that might be a way to organize them together
2: as far as I know, there's no way to do that. But I also love OneNote, so I would be thrilled mm. if that was a thing that OneNote could do.
0: Yeah, that would be cool. I think it
1: would be good if OneNote supported Markdown, actually. That that would be the, a good step forward for them. Because, yeah, a lot of times I'm pasting code and I've got to like reformat it and all that stuff
2: first. So Cool. Yeah, and yeah, thinking about formatting code, it is worth noting that the VS Code Notebooks extension does have syntax highlighting. It has IntelliSense and yeah, so it, it looks like proper C sharp code. Yeah. Like Keyword. And you can powered. debug line by line, you know, I'm guessing. Like no, there's not a debugger oh, for it. Not not yet.
1: So you can not step through. Okay. I would have thought for an educational tool, you'd, but maybe it's the same that they'll they'll put in like eventually.
2: Yeah, I think the workflow would be more something where you would I think instead of debugging, what you would do is you would just have three lines of code and display some output and have another couple of lines of code and yeah slot, but that's
0: right yeah cool well i i think i'm uh really you know kind of kind of anxious to get out there and and play around with this a little bit yeah, so we should, we should stop the show <laughs>
2: <laughs> stop recording so we can go play yeah. with the code yeah, yeah. <laughs> i like it
0: or let's at least move on to picks. let's do picks before we stop the show hey folks i
3: don't know if you've noticed but i've been working a lot on figuring out how to help people become the most valuable developers on their teams or becoming the top 5% of developers in the field. If you're looking to level up, figure out how to contribute more, get the career you want, get the career that you want that will support the lifestyle you want, then you should check out the Most Valuable Dev Summit. I've invited some of my friends across the community, people that you've heard of, people that have worked on systems that you use on a daily basis, people who have invented new ways of doing things over the years in programming, And I've asked them one question, and that question is, how do you become a top 5% developer? How do you become one in 20 of the best developers out there? And so we're going to go ahead and have that conversation with them in interviews on the Most Valuable Dev Summit. And you can find that at summit.mostvaluable.dev.
0: All right. Why? What do you have for your pick this week? Okay,
1: so my picks are a little bit different this week. It's not a fun thing that we usually do. So it's actually, I wanted to.
0: It's good. I have a different pick too. Oh, cool.
1: Uh, I want to give a shout out to Cloudflare's DNS provider. So, I mean, people probably know because we're all programmers here, but the internet's, the, 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 how the internet's designed is actually like, it's, it's actually been fairly broken. It's haven't, it's never really been designed for privacy. And, Although these days almost every website uses HTTPS, that's really that's a really good step forward. But that's actually not completely hiding all of the, the the things you're doing. One one thing that one way that people can I guess listen on what you're doing is using your DNS lookups because DNS usually isn't encrypted, and then just you know it's usually your DNS provider is usually just with your ISP, and you know, there's no I guess. You'll have to check whether your ISP is logging all your DNS lookups, and if they are, then essentially all of your all the websites you're going to is essentially stored against your, your IP address. So Cloudflare has actually provided like a like a public DNS provider which you can I guess point your DNS lookups to, and they they've built it I guess with privacy in mind, so it's all encrypted the traffic, and they've guaranteed to not log your. Traffic for longer than twenty four hours and things like that. So, yeah, I thought more people should, should do it. So it's really easy to, to set up. Just point your DNS lookup to one point one point one point one. And I had a bit of a read about their their business model, and it seems pretty legit. Like they're not the, the reason they're doing it is, is to improve their services. they because they're I think they're like a CDN company. They're all about trying to make their clients' web pages faster, and this allows them to essentially improve that improve that offering my thing to
0: say so probably google's 8.8.8.8 is probably not uh so private
1: well i guess it depends on which company <laughs> you trust <laughs> <laughs> i don't know like probably shouldn't go too much into that but yeah like i i think cloud I, I read i read cloudflare's justification and i was like okay cool you're not you're not going to take my data i can't see you wanting to do that for but who knows no <laughs> also i think their cloudflare thing gets their offering gets Independently audited by KPMG, so I'm not sure what that means, but I'm, I'm guessing it's it, it makes it more independent. But.
0: okay, so my pick this week is a little bit different because it's something I don't think we've ever had as a pick before. I don't think ever anybody's ever picked music or a band. You know, uh-huh. we've, been on, we've been on for over over a year now, maybe a year and a half or something like that, and nobody's ever had a band. I think so, I did
1: the Smashing Pumpkins once. I did, but. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. For Halloween? Yeah. No. So so one of my favorite bands growing up uh was the band Rush. So it kind of shows my age a little bit, 80s kid, things like that. So, you know, recently the, the drummer of the group died, but he was like one of the best drummers I've ever heard in the world. He just just very artistic. He wrote a lot of the songs and music since like that. So, you know, go back to the, some of their greatest albums. So like Moving Pictures or 2112, things like that. So if you want to hear a good rock band, you never heard Rush. They're actually from Canada. So check it out. Yeah. All right, Eric.
2: I'm going to stick with the technical pick and okay. I apologize for not having something more creative, but I've <laughs> recently been reading the Concurrency in C Sharp cookbook by Stephen Cleary, and it is not a thick book. <laughs> But it's got some really great technical detail. I thought I understood async and await in C-sharp, but I have learned so much reading this book. And it's a lot of information. It's very practical. So yeah, you should check it out. I books books out on thick, so.
0: <laughs> yeah, async await. Yeah, if you delve into that, that's uh, the, the state machines and all that kind of stuff can get, get really funky mm. and, and really complex. You really grasp you know, the entirety of it and make sure everything is... Is working the whole stack all the way up being async await.
2: Yeah, the actual use case that got me into it was Project I'm on had a kind of squirrely situation with cancellation and realized I had so, a lot to learn about how to properly cancel async and await tasks. And so I picked up that book and it did not disappoint. Cool. Nice.
0: All right. So, Eric, if, if people have questions and they want to reach out and get in touch with you, what's the best way?
2: The easiest way to find me online is on Twitter. My handle is at Potter Eric. All the Harry Potter fans ate up all the the good <laughs> uh, Potter <laughs> handles right away on Twitter. So I'm at Potter Eric, not E Potter or anything like that. My blog is humbletoolsmith.com, and I've got some content up there both on C Sharp Interactive and on the .NET Notebooks. And if you want, you can find me on LinkedIn. I hang out on there sometimes too.
0: Thanks, Eric great show. If our listeners want to reach out and touch to us, we'd love to hear your feedback. Let us know what we can do better. They can reach me at Twitter. I am at .net Superhero. All right. And Caleb, who's not here, he's at Caleb Wells Codes. Thanks, Eric. Great show. Mm. Glad to have you.
2: Yeah. Thanks so much for having me on. This has been a fun conversation. Well, yeah. Thanks for coming on.
0: <laughs> great. <laughs> All right. We'll catch everybody on the next episode of Adventures in .NET.